All right. So my first question is like, I saw you learn guitar at like 15. So for me, it makes me feel like it's never too late. Can you kind of talk about why you got into learning guitar that, that late, I guess? Yeah. So um, <laughs> I kind of stumbled upon it in a sense of I'm from High Springs, Florida. It's a very small town. And my mom cut hair at Jerry's Barbershop right there on Main Street. So there was a music store that opened up on Main Street right across the street from her shop. And I'd go up there, visit her, you know, get my hair cut, whatever. And then uh, just kind of walk around town. And so I stumbled upon this music store called Music Junction that opened up and saw a copy of a Gibson J45 Sunburst. It wasn't that at all. It was uh, Morgan Monroe, actually. I still have it. And it was about $500. And I was like, well, it'd be really cool if I could get a guitar and learn like two songs I could sing to myself when I wanted to. It wasn't any intent to sing yeah. for anybody. So I convinced my dad to buy me one and started taking a few lessons from there. Yeah. So I saw you uh, sang, you did the Star Sangled Banner in front of like 125,000 people. Did you, do you ever get like <laughs> stage fright? Like, dude, that would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Uh, like you said, whenever I, I first got that guitar, my intent was to play songs to myself. And that was because there was no way that I wanted to get in front of people. I had terrible, terrible stage fright, even if the attention wasn't on me. And I just happened to be in the line of vision of more than, you know, a few people. I get super nervous. So it all came back that day. Um, I had played like hundreds of shows at that point, um, but typically behind a guitar, and the thing with the the national anthem there, Star Spangled Banner, was was at Gator Nationals, yeah. and um, you sing the national anthem. There's someone skydiving with an American flag attached to them, and they hit the parachute at the last minute, land on the track. So that's happening, and then as soon as you get done, the cars take off. So it's extremely loud, yeah. and on that track, whenever you sing in the microphone, not hiding behind a guitar. Um, it goes down the track and it comes back as an echo as like a half a second delay. So it's like, you're yelling at yourself while you're trying to remember the words and, you know, hit all the notes. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want to become like a YouTube video viral. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's not how I want to, uh, you know, show up in the media by any means, but it worked out great. Um, I was completely petrified. I yeah. just, uh, stood there and, Remembered all the words, sang all notes as I could. And I mean, you know, that's that's a hard song to sing. I had to start as low as I could sing in order to hit the high note. Yeah. So when did you like realize you want to become an artist? Was there a moment? Yeah, um, I think it was. I, I sang for church in church for the very first time. I didn't realize then, um, but it, it inspired me to go home and actually kind of like take it more seriously. Um, people that directed music in church, they said, Cliff, you did a great job. When are you going to sing again? I knew they were being nice in a sense, but the fact that they invited me back, I thought it must not have been that bad. Yeah. So then I started uh, taking more lessons, learning uh, older country songs, a lot of Johnny Cash and Waylon Jennings and stuff like that. And But I had been consuming this music for quite a while, and I ended up writing my first song. Um, I think it was called like something you didn't know. 
And uh, it was not a very good song. But whenever I sang the song out for people and stuff, they'd be like, oh, it reminds me of this time in my life and that. And I noticed it was connecting to people in some way, shape or form. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I could like do that. Maybe I could work on that. I, I like the sharing something. And it was like a conversation, even though it was something you created, you know, between you and the listener. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of mentioned the writing process. Like, what is that like for you? How do you go about that? Yeah. And uh, to circle back on that question, I was about 16 or 17 at that point. Yeah. And um, it's sometimes it's writing a title down. And then, you know, what is the storyline behind the title as if you would write the title of a movie? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's playing something interesting on the guitar that you just uh, start, like if it's a, a minor, like a sad thing, well then, okay, it's a, yeah. a sadder song. Even if it, it could be fast, it could be slow. Mm -hmm. But um, it kind of back and forth, but typically um, typically I've done like a ton of things and I'm pretty worn out mm -hmm. and I just get a moment to where I can just be there with my guitar and yeah. then whatever I need to say, whether it's actually about me or not comes out with me just sitting there playing guitar and I start coming up with words Yeah, and it turns into a song. There's several times where I started writing a song and then didn't know what it was about until I read it back to myself. Really? Um, until it was really done. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so I guess it's kind of leading in. So you're like new EP. Like I I love it. New neon. So like, what was the process going into that like for you? Um, so it was the first time that we did something like that, where uh, it actually really started with the producers, the Swan brothers. Mm -hmm. We were trying to figure out who the producers were going to be. Zach and Colton Swan. I sat down with them and talked about artists that I really like, what I've done in the past, what I want to do with my music in the future. And, um, a lot of that is to provide a service to the listener, whether it be just nostalgia, remind them of something whenever they were young or a love song or a heartache song they can relate to. And that kind of turned into um, Raise One, the song, in a sense of how it ended up on the EP. It's to raise awareness to uh, remember your first responders in the military out there serving the communities. And... Um, they, they were really, really cool guys. When it came to the band, I, that's just the music that I listened to growing up. And um, I mean, I, I think it, it was a, a great way to portray my sound. And we went into Starstruck Studios and Music Row. We got all the songs recorded in a day yeah. and uh, did a quick mixing and mastering. Ted Jensen did the mastering on it and it turned out to be the new neon album yeah so this one's probably like a hard one i don't know if you have it, but is there like a favorite song you've ever released that your personal favorite um that is tough yeah. i think uh i think personally for me and this is just you know you're saying what's my favorite i think santa fe yeah is my favorite release so far just that, that song, um, I wrote it for a competition, but it was a song that I wanted to write for a really long time. I love the Santa Fe River where I grew up. It's a little river. It's got Ginny Springs on it and a ton of 
different springs, but Jenny Springs is pretty uh, world renowned for a camping spot. And uh, it was something I was really intimidated by. I always wanted to write that song. And there was a lady that was running the Santa Fe River songwriting competition. And she said, hey, uh, we want you to be in it this year if you want to. Uh, Here's the deadline. And I had a ton of shows. That was when I was playing like seven, eight shows a week, you know, two a days, stuff like that. And it got down to the deadline and she said, Hey, did you write a song? I said, no, I I didn't get to write a song. And she said, well, you still got a few hours. So sit down right now and write one. Mm -hmm. And that's what it ended up being. And it did end up winning the competition, but it, I, I just wrote a song about, uh, thinking of the people that I see every time that I go there, what are they doing? How do they feel? What, what's going on? And it turned into the song Santa Fe. And I was really, really happy with the recording of that. My buddy, Logan Fisher, uh, my drummer, uh, he played drums on that, produced it. The beginning seconds of it sounds like running water. And it's actually, um, we were in the studio recording 18 songs and Santa Fe was one of them. And there was a really hard Florida summer downpour and it was hitting the roof. So we just turned on the microphones and that's what that sound is of the the running water was. Yeah. yeah, The the rain hitting the roof that day. Yeah. That's awesome. That's crazy. Um, So, you know, you played all over, you know, what do you think this might be, there might be multiple ones. It's hard, but like, what would you say is like some of your favorite venues you ever played at? Yeah. Um, so I would say on the top of the list, uh, Cedar Key, there's quite a few venues there, whether it be uh, the Low Key Hideaway or the Big Deck Raw Bar or Steamers. They're, they're all um, right there in that same area, but right on the Gulf Coast. Yeah. Um, it's north, west. Well, it's not the Panhandle, yeah. but in Central Florida, it's on the West Coast. And, um, yeah, it's just a quiet little town and I always love playing there. That was one of the reasons why I was able to actually go full time was they were always calling me up and I would drive out there. It's an hour and a half drive, drive out there and nothing but cow pastures and swampland all the way out and back. So it was a nice, pretty drive out there. And then you got to look out for deer and hogs and all that stuff on the drive back every yeah, night. It's crazy yeah they're stay like i go through the everglades to go up to go up out on that coast it's crazy yeah you actually gotta watch out for alligators yeah (laughs) yeah no it's wild but um i so this kind i guess it goes in with like the venues do you have any funny story like what do you what's the funniest story like thing a fan has like ever said to you (laughs) or like is there a story i have a short memory when it comes to things like that um funniest thing that they've ever or is there seen any, like is there anything someone's done that's like wild that you like always are going to remember uh <laughs> all right there's so many things that happened up hold on um hmm let me think of something recently it's a hard it was, I, I always ask. Yeah. I, I'm trying. 
I can't think of it right now. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that, you know, drink a little too much and, you know, some people falling. That's not really funny. I actually feel kind of bad for them. Um, but just um, one time I signed a guy's nipple. <laughs> so, and he's completely like being as, as respectful as you can be yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had a I, we had a guy the other day who he hasn't seen Morgan Wallen, and the guy like kept wanting to sing Morgan Wallen, and he was like he's like, dude, I'm not doing it. And the guy get, just climbs on stage and st- starts like belting Morgan Wallen out, and they had, like kick him out. Yeah, for, he starts singing it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that. I mean, I mean, is there a song you hear a lot that people request you to play? Like, do you hear it? it yeah it it varies it varies it used to be um wagon wheel whiskey glasses you know everybody yells out free bird but that's just to be funny but i actually i'm i'm the one that actually does play free bird um uh i'm trying oh it used to be cruise whenever florida georgia line first came out you know whatever like I, I think the greatest like if it was right now, it would be last night by uh, Morgan Wallen. Yeah, and um, yeah. So just whatever's popular that you hear on the radio a hundred thousand times a day. Yeah. Um. I saw. I wanted to ask you about this because I saw like before this you were on TikTok Live doing that. Um. What do you think are like some of the? Is do you think TikTok and stuff like that has really like helped grow your music and stuff? I think it has. I mean, it, there's, it hasn't had a negative effect. Yeah. So there's, there's that. I, I think it's, I, I could complain, but I could also be optimistic about it in a sense of there's a lot of things that a musician and their team has to do now in order to try to break out. And a lot of those things um, you can try and try and try as much as you can and it doesn't seem like you make an influence no matter how much time you're spending it's very time consuming that's what i'm trying to say but i mean that's that's what you have to expect whenever you're trying to break through anything because there's just so much music out there there's so many people trying to do it and now we have these platforms to where you can make a profile and show it to everyone. So I've experienced a lot of growth in it. Um, I, if I had it my way, I would rather just play my shows and play and like do radio interviews and interviews like this and and do it that way. Um, But that's just me wanting to, keep things separate i i mean as you just said i hopped on live just because i wanted to yeah um now but it it took me a while to get there yeah so there's this is like two questions i have off that um first one like this one i don't mean taking the wrong way but do you think because there's so much like good music out there do you think people just sometimes just gotta have to get lucky like to make it um i think it's yeah it's like a hard one you know what i mean well, I think there's room for all kinds of music. Um, and I think there's an audience for all kinds of music. So even if 
I'm not a fan of it. Someone else is. And what I've realized is it seems like whatever way you want to take this, whenever you meet someone and you see them live, whatever your perspective is that you like, like, oh, well, I didn't care for their single or whatever it may be. You see, whenever you see them live or you see them in person, you see why. Yeah, It's, it's in my opinion, there's no luck. You, you have to be very skilled and, and there's luck involved. Yeah. But you never just get lucky. Get lucky there's yeah. always sacrifice and effort put into it. And there's a reason why that person I, I've, you know, just growing as a person being 15 and starting to play music and, you know, now 28 in the process, there's like, Oh, you know, that, that guy, you know, he, he probably just has a big company behind him or whatever. And I see him, I'm like, no, he's really good. Yeah. You know, it, it's all right. Say yourself's wrong. <laughs> yeah. So you got me thinking when you said like, there's so much music being released every day. I never like actually asked, but, but with AI now you could just make so. how do you feel about like the fact that Bach could just like make your voice sound the same and like you can make a different song off. That's gotta be like weird to think about. Yeah. That is weird to think about, but I mean, there's, it's been plenty of years with like auto tune and, uh, grabbing beats or samples and building them into something like there's so much stuff that you can do. Um, I, I do agree that like that takes an artist to do that and you can just put something into a program and it creates this project for you. It's like, there is that, but I think what is, I think the internet still is always going to keep you honest mm -hmm. and fans are, when I say fans, it's just being people that consume music, no matter what it is, are really, I think now more than ever and will continue in the future to look for authenticity. Yeah. Um, I think that's, and that's what I've always tried to look at is is that person really doing that yeah yeah so this one's uh it's kind of my own personal thing. like i'll i'm gonna i'm gonna come to a show in florida sometime but like are you ever yeah. gonna like travel out more and do like a little bit of like tour little thing outside of like florida you bet man i uh played california for the very first time two weeks ago um i've been playing gatlinburg and trying to get shows up here in the nashville in area nashville that's where i live days ago right weren't you in nashville i'm here right now really yeah oh, yeah I, I live here now oh you did i didn't know that yeah yeah um moved in the beginning of march but it, it's hard to it doesn't really look like that because i've been traveling back and forth so much like i, I went to uh florida to celebrate my brother's birthday and father's day and play some shows so I'll still be back and forth quite a bit, but definitely the U.S. Um, going to be trying to play any shows, every show that we can that will put gas in the truck and money in the bank account of the band. And as long as it does that, we'll we'll yeah. be there. So uh, anyone out there will give you a quote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sick. Um, so I talked about your guitars. This is another one I asked. How many guitars have you had in your life? In my life, um, I think I currently have nine. I think in my life, I've had somewhere between 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. There's some of them that I bought. I'm like, 
this isn't my style, yeah. you know? Um, do you do like, so like there's a guy in Florida down when I go, he plays this one and then he goes in Nashville time, but he, he has like this really nice guitar he uses for like his like big tours and stuff. But then when he just goes to the bar, he has like some like shitty one. It's not, he's like, it's barely even tuned. Do you have like different ones for like different shows and like where you're playing at or anything? I rotate them out and I typically have three guitars on me at all times because I still haven't figured out how not to break strings. So instead of taking a, like I could, because of the show before I'll change strings, play two shows, maybe not break one and then go to the third show and then 15 minutes into the set, break a string. Well, then you don't want to take a break because you just started. So you grab another guitar, plug it in, make sure it's tuned and keep on going. Um, I think, I mean, that's an excuse to have nine guitars, but, uh, and I mean, they're, they, they break too, like the, the pickups, um, something starts shaking loose. So then you gotta, uh, take it to a Luther or fix it yourself, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you gotta have another one back up, but I, my expensive guitars, I use it at a, uh, at a restaurant or a bar just as much as I would at the white house. Like it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So last two questions. I don't want to take too much of your time, but where is a dream place you want to play? Um, So stagecoach Mm -hmm. and red rocks. Yeah. Red rocks. Yeah. And because it was recently to where I did a showcase during the CMAs right there on Broadway. And we had, I really have to sit here and think about how many people are in the band. Those two backup singers, a keys player, a steel guitar player, a drummer, a bass player, electric guitar player, and acoustic guitar player. And I was up on stage playing acoustic guitar and singing. And this band, we did not rehearse. It was literally like, here's the charts, here's the music, and we're just going to go up there and do it. Yeah. And to have a band like that at one of those venues, uh, they did amazing, by the way. And I wasn't the only artist that they did that for. So that was like really good on them. But I'm saying like a band that size at a venue like Stagecoach or... Uh, you know, Red Rocks, mm-hmm. that's what I envision. And then have a part of the show where it's maybe me and like one other person out there, like a fiddle yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, that would be crazy. Um, so I always finish off uh, this last question I always ask. Um, when your career is over down the line, how do you want to be remembered? It's a hard one. Um, I want to be remembered as someone that, uh, that gave back want to be remembered as someone that made the music industry better mm-hmm. and um i want to be remembered for the songs that i write in a good way you know even if they're sad songs i think um best example i can think of there is like keith whitley and towns van zandt like they they're gone way too early but people remember their songs like crazy and um but uh i mean those are world-class writers so i'm I'm gonna do my best but i 
that's in the music industry i mean how i really want to be remembered as a person is like a good son a good brother a good father um which not a father yet but i'm sure that'll happen one day yeah and uh yeah good husband all that stuff yeah well cliff i really appreciate you taking time out of your day do this it means a lot i really appreciate it thank you so much man really i appreciate it i i checked out some of your interviews man keep on doing it thank you good thank you brother i appreciate it